Um, so it's the Tuesday 16th of July. Um, I'm Sean Cassidy um, from STI's Journal and I'm here with um, Professor Myron Cohen of the University of North Carolina. Um, morning Professor Cohen. Um, I just really wanted to ask what have been your highlights of the STI AIDS World Congress so far? Uh, I think that um, the uh, field that the morale is very strong. There's 1,300 people here, and the field is vibrant, and there's people of all different ages, including young people, so it gives a sense of forward movement. So rather than focus on a particular discovery, and there's a lot of, I think, important discoveries, I think the sense of optimism and enthusiasm and commitment um, are most visible. Um, and you had quite a lively debate yesterday with um, Professor Gray um, talking about how you felt that STD control was an important part of reducing HIV transmission. Um, do you sort of want to sort of give us a brief summary for those who missed it of, of sort of the, what the point, the main points covered were? Right. I think that uh, the debate was set up in a very specific way to ask the question, the affirmative question that I supported was, should people who are trying to control the spread of HIV at a population level be concerned about STDs? My answer in the debate was unequivocally yes, and my answer in reality is unequivocally yes. <laughs> Unambiguously, unequivocally yes. I think for a whole variety of reasons, there's a misunderstanding about the way that we interpret some randomized controlled trial results um, that are designed to ask very specific questions in a community population level that Dr. Gray focused on, and actual implementation in public health reality. The, the point is this, that for HIV prevention, in the end of the day, HIV is just another STD. It's just another STD. The denominator in all our prevention efforts are STDs. For HIV prevention, the numerator is HIV. So. It would, as I said in the debate, who in their right mind would not include STD control in part of HIV prevention for a whole variety of reasons. The first reason is because the uh, uh, people most often, because HIV is an STD that is generally asymptomatic for a very long period of time, most people present with a symptomatic STD as a biomarker of risk behavior that allows us to detect HIV. So the first point is you need huge STD control programs to get the denominator straight and find people with HIV. The second point is when you find people with HIV and you start treating their STDs, um, you reduce the probability that they will transmit HIV to somebody else. The third point is it's very well established that people with HIV don't suddenly live pristine lives even if they know they have HIV. And so they acquire another STD and during that window of time they become become not infrequently potentially more contagious again. So this kind of ongoing need for commitment to STDs as part of HIV prevention is axiomatic. And I think the debate was in many ways wonderful because it kind of set up uh, the discussion for the field so that people could kind of weigh this axiomatic uh, issue and I think you know if you've in the vote for the debate, it, not surprisingly, of 1,300 people, 1,288 voted like, oh yeah, we better include STD control. Now this is what we would call preaching to the converted, but I think it's it's really true. And Professor Helen Reese from South Africa stood up and made a really important point. I thought that I'll reiterate for your audience. That is. Policymakers often get confused by, by trial results. So, for example, uh, trials that were done uh, with anti-herpes drug 
the antihypertoric acyclovir failed to have much effect on um, incidence of HIV. And those were interpreted to mean, well, we, why waste time with STDs? But the problem is, the, those trials just demonstrate how difficult it is in a community randomized trial to treat the right people with the right drug at the right time for the right duration. It in no way means that treating STDs more generally is not absolutely essential to the control of HIV for the reasons I've said, both the direct benefit of reduced transmission probabilities, which we and others have shown over many, many years, and the indirect benefits of finding people with HIV and getting them on the appropriate uh, medical therapy. Thanks for that, and congratulations on your on your win in the debate as well. Um, I suppose my final question is, what do you see as the, the key challenges for the future in sexual health? I think that the most important thing is to create an environment where reducing stigma um, and kind of increasing the commitment to some combination of um, social and behavioral and biological interventions at all levels that allow us to deal as effectively as we can with this age-old set of problems. I mean, we, these, these problems we're dealing with didn't start in 2013. We're dealing with biblical problems. And over times, since biblical times, we can see waxing and waning of these diseases. They're not static. We see in different countries, um, upsurge of one or more diseases and resistance and all kinds of problems. And then we see downtrend. The more we can understand how we can push downtrend and waning, then we make a contribution. And what we can't do is bury our head in the sand. You know, wishful thinking is not going to make these age-old problems go away. Um, so I think that the biggest problem, challenge for the field is to make sure we combine all of the tools available, avoid wishful thinking, and move forward. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much, Professor Cohen. Thank you. Thanks.